0: Welcome to Wonderland, the podcast where I go down the rabbit hole to research things you may be curious about. My name is Ami, and I'll be your guide on this trip to Wonderland. Hi, and thanks for coming back. I found myself wondering this week about something that seems almost too crazy to be real, but apparently is huge and poised to continue to explode in the future. I realized that I knew essentially nothing on the topic, And as I asked people around me, it sounded like I wasn't alone in my complete oblivion in this subject matter. But lucky for them, and you, I'm going down the rabbit hole and doing the research, so you don't have to. So what topic has me wondering this week?
1: I wonder. I wonder.
0: I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder.
2: I wonder.
0: Get ready. We're going into the digital world of NFTs. Let's start with the basics. What is an NFT? An
2: NFT is a thing that people can use to scan, like using their phone to scan um, vending machines. So there's like NFT tags. That's NFC. Oh, no, I don't know.
1: Non-fungible transfer.
2: It's some new internet thing that I don't know the answer to. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like a picture thing that costs a lot of
3: money. A non-fungible token.
4: Uh, It's a non-fungible token. Non-fungible token.
0: NFT is an acronym for non-fungible token. And I'm sure that for many of us, that isn't much help in the way of an explanation. So before we really dig into what an NFT is let's talk about what it means to be a non-fungible token. What does non-fungible token mean?
4: I don't know. Essentially, it's a tangible electronic item that you own.
2: My understanding is it's something to do with licensing of a image or a product online, and that's as far as I know, and that could be completely wrong.
3: Uh, in my understanding, it's a... a digital piece of something that can't be replicated.
5: Uh, a token is like something that takes place of the money, but fungible, I have no idea.
0: I did a quick perusal of the dictionary on this one to start. Fungible is an adjective used to describe something, such as money or a commodity, that is freely replaceable or exchangeable, either in whole or part, for another of like nature or kind. If you give me a $5 bill, and I give you a $5 bill, we both have exactly what we had before. Our dollars are fungible. So to be non-fungible would mean that the thing in question could not be freely exchangeable or replaceable by another of the same thing. If I had, say, an original painting of my family that my child made when he was two, there's literally nothing you could give me that would be the same thing. My kiddo's art, good or bad, is non-fungible. In the instance of NFTs, Non-fungible is describing tokens, which are really digital assets which store unique metadata used to distinguish one NFT from another. At the most basic level, an NFT is a digital asset that represents real-world objects. And typically, they represent something that is one-of-a-kind or a limited run. REU, chair of the Washington Technology Industry Association Cascadia Blockchain Council and managing director of Yellow Umbrella Ventures, explains that Essentially, NFTs create digital scarcity. I want to talk about how NFTs are created, but I think first we're going to have to have a short chat about Ethereum, cryptocurrencies, and blockchains. What is a blockchain? I do not. I don't know.
3: I don't know.
4: Blockchain, hmm, that's a harder one to answer. Blockchain is essentially creating, in my mind, I don't know if this is right, it's creating pathways. Uh, when you create a blockchain, uh, it's... Actually, I don't even know. Actually, I don't know what uh,
5: NFTs are valued on, I think.
1: (laughs) I don't know how to describe a blockchain, except I think that it has something to do with Bitcoin mining or using computer processing to process and make money cryptocurrencies.
0: A blockchain is a growing list or register of records called blocks that are linked together securely using cryptography. Each block contains a cryptographic hash, which is a mathematical algorithm that maps data to a bit array of the previous block, a timestamp, and transaction data. The timestamp is necessary to prove that the transaction data existed when the block was published to get its hash. Because blocks each contain information about the preceding block, they form a chain. And each additional block reinforces the ones before it. This makes blockchains resistant to modification of their data, because once recorded, the data in any given block cannot be altered retroactively without altering all subsequent blocks. A concept similar to blockchains was first proposed back in 1982 by a cryptographer, computer scientist, and inventor named David Chom in his dissertation called Computer Systems Established, Maintained, and Trusted by Mutually Suspicious Groups. His dissertation proposed all except one element of the modern blockchain detailed in the Bitcoin white paper. His work has earned him the nicknames the father of online anonymity and the godfather of cryptocurrency. Chom's work was expanded upon in the early 90s by Stuart Haber and W. Scott Stornetta, who worked to implement a system where document timestamps could not be tampered with. Shortly after, and with the addition of Dave Byard to the project, Merkle trees, or hash trees, were incorporated into the design, which improved efficiency by allowing multiple document certificates to be collected in one block. Their company, Surety, has published their document certificate hashes each week in the New York Times since 1995. It wasn't until 2008 when the first decentralized blockchain was conceptualized by a person or possibly group of people known by the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. Nakamoto, whoever he or she or they may be, improved the design of the blockchain by using a hashcash-esque method to timestamp blocks without requiring them to be signed by a trusted party, as well as introducing a difficulty parameter to stabilize how fast blocks were being added to the chain. The design was implemented by Nakamoto in 2009 as a core component of the cryptocurrency Bitcoin and serves as the public ledger for all transactions on the network. Author Maria Johnson has asserted in her book, Blockchain and Digital Marketing, A New Paradigm of Trust, that while Nakamoto used the words block and chain throughout their 2008 work, the term blockchain was popularized as a single word by 2016. Okay, so now that we know what a blockchain is and kind of how it works, we start getting into how NFTs are created. But we have one more step before that. Have you ever heard of Ethereum?
5: Uh, In passing. Absolutely not.
0: (laughs) No.
1: Ethereum is a type of uh, cryptocurrency.
2: Uh,
3: Yes. It's a cryptocurrency, I think.
4: Yes, uh, Ethereum, and they're working on Ethereum 2.0. The goal of Ethereum is, and this is all not dead on accurate, Bitcoin acts more as a currency, so then you take Ethereum and it's uh, helping process transactions. Um, Ethereum right now, I would say, is very expensive to process transactions. But once Ethereum 2.0 launches, it should decrease the transaction fees but increase the value of Ethereum overall.
0: Nakamoto gave us a decentralized blockchain in the early 2000s. And programmer and co-founder of Bitcoin magazine, Vitalik Buterin, along with his colleagues, Gavin Wood, Charles Hoskinson, Anthony DiOrio and Joseph Lubin brought us decentralized open-source blockchain with smart contract functionality in 2013 with their conception of Ethereum. These five guys, as well as Mihai Asi and Amir Chederet, began working on developing their idea in 2014 with the help of crowdfunding and the network went live on July 30, 2015. In his 2013 white paper, Vitalik contended that Bitcoin and blockchain technology could benefit from other applications besides money, and that a more robust language for application development was needed, which could lead to real-world assets such as stocks and property utilizing the blockchain. He originally sought to work with eToro on the colored coins project, but after failing to reach an agreement on the direction of the project, Vitalik proposed a new platform with more robust scripting language that would eventually be called Ethereum. The name was chosen by Vitalik after reading a list of elements from science fiction on Wikipedia. In his own words, I immediately realized I liked it better than all of the other alternatives I had seen. I suppose it was the fact that it sounded nice, and it had the word Ether, referring to the hypothetical invisible medium that permeates the universe and allows light to travel. Ether is the native cryptocurrency of Ethereum, and among cryptocurrencies is second only to Bitcoin and market capitalization. And while Ethereum has been successful in the world of cryptocurrency, remember that Vitalik's whole concept is that it could be more than just cryptocurrency. And this, my friends, is where NFTs come into being. How do you think NFTs are created? No idea. Um,
2: in my head, it's something that if they're created by somebody decides in their mind that they're going to have an NFT, so they make it an NFT.
1: CPU, people you let their, their computer processing do processing for other people, and that makes a percentage of a percentage of an amount of money.
5: Uh, People just make them and, like, number them.
2: Someone makes something and they assign a number to it, and then somebody buys it for a large amount of money. Uh,
4: This is more of a guess, but when it comes to an NFT, um, I'm assuming that once Let's say if I take a picture uh, of a tree with my phone, um, that coding for that image can never be replicated again. So if I email it to myself, yes, I can see it, but it's not the original coding of it. So the NFT is almost, it can't be replicated. So once you create it, that's it.
0: Ethereum's more robust language allows for the creation of unique and indivisible tokens. NFTs, whose uniqueness can be used to represent collectibles, digital art, sports memorabilia, virtual real estate, items within games, and more. But how? So we know that NFTs are stored on a blockchain, but how does it get there? Well, it turns out for your average layperson, there's an online marketplace for it. First, you should know that the actual media files aren't typically stored on the blockchain. Although a link to the media may be included in the metadata, including the token that acts as proof of ownership over whatever the NFT is for. But if you have a piece of, say, digital art that you'd like to sell as an NFT, you can do that on the Ethereum blockchain, where most NFTs are sold. But before you can sell it, you've got to make it. There are many marketplaces you can use online to create and sell an NFT, such as OpenSea and Rarible, which use Ethereum to sell there are also marketplaces that sell on other blockchains such as Wax, Polygon, and Flow. These sites all have different software and costs to aid a user in creating an NFT to sell. Literally you link your digital wallet and click on create on whichever site you're using. Obviously the exact how-to varies by site, but essentially you upload a file, fill in information which is used to populate the metadata and choose the blockchain that you're minting to and submit. After that, You essentially set a price and how long you'd like the listing to be available. And voila, you've created an NFT for sale. We've talked about all the pieces leading up to NFTs, and we know the groundwork started over 40 years ago. But when do you think NFTs were created? Um, to my knowledge, it would have been in the past year.
5: When people got bored during the pandemic.
1: 2010.
3: I've only heard of them in the past year or so?
4: Um, I think NFTs were, it's got it obviously probably the last decade. I'm gonna probably say maybe the last five or six years, but I actually don't know when they were originally created.
2: 1987. You think they're that old? I don't know. (laughs) 2010.
0: The first known NFT was minted on May 3rd, 2014 by digital artist Kevin McCoy and Anil Dash. The NFT was called Quantum and was just a short video of Kevin's wife, Jennifer. McCoy minted this clip onto the Namecoin blockchain and later sold it for $4 to Anil. Since that time, NFTs have exploded into multiple NFT projects, such as CryptoKitties and the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Have you ever heard of the Bored Ape Yacht Club? No. No,
1: I have not heard of the Bored Ape Yacht Club.
2: I've heard about the ape one, but I don't really care for
1: it. Yeah, that's
4: Seth Green's uh, NFT monkey. I
2: have not.
4: No. Oh, the yes, 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 yeah. All the Board Apes, all the images and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a series. I guess you could describe it just as photos, but it takes the apes uh, and there's a bunch of different designs. There's some awesome ones out there.
0: The Board Ape Yacht Club is an NFT collection on the Ethereum blockchain, which features profile pictures of cartoon apes that are created by an algorithm. Board Ape Yacht Club, or B-A-Y-C, was founded by Greg Solano and Wiley Arnau, along with two programmers known by their aliases, NoSass and Emperor Tomato Ketchup. The apes were chosen because of the cryptocurrency phrase, aping in, which means to buy into a new currency or NFT with abandon and risking a significant amount of money. The lead artist behind the BAYC is all-seeing Seneca, although her name is not well-known, which is unfortunate for an artist. This collection of NFTs is worth over a billion dollars, and celebrities such as Jimmy Fallon, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and Justin Bieber have purchased some of these NFTs, with Snoop Dogg and Eminem using them in their music videos. But other than musicians using board Apes in their music videos, what purpose do NFTs have and how are people using them?
4: Um, The purpose of NFTs is going to depend on the person. So I'm going to use the cards as an example. Again, if I'm a card collector, if I play magic and I open a pack and get those images, um, if I create an NFT or somebody creates an NFT that I can purchase, I now own it. You can be a collector. You can do it on uh, images. Uh, coding in general, a bunch of different things. So you're going to be a collector. Um, whenever metaverse becomes a thing, whenever it actually becomes fungible, and you go into that world, you own that that you own that piece that no one else can own.
2: I think it is to do with making money, and that's all I know.
4: They
5: <laughs> um, like number art and music, and uh, I don't know.
1: I do not know what NFTs' purpose is or what people are using them for.
2: To buy stuff. Easier.
3: I know a lot of people are using them to sell their artwork digitally uh, and people to collect them that way.
0: So digital media is by and far the biggest way that NFTs are currently being used. And Christie's auction house brokered the sale of an NFT with a JPEG of digital artist Beeple's every days, the first 5,000 days, for $69.3 million last year. The winning bidder has a JPEG, which anyone can access on the internet. Users can even save a copy of the picture and set it as the background on their computers if they wanted. But this is akin to having a print of your favorite Van Gogh. It's beautiful and looks identical to the original, but it's just a copy. You don't own the original, only one entity can claim that right. The same is true in the digital media world. You either have the original or you don't. Besides digital media, NFTs are also being used for event tickets, which allow companies to distribute and sell tickets to events using NFTs, which help prevent fraud and has an added possibility for post-purchase collectability with exclusive experiences and digital art. Some brands are using NFTs that represent exclusive collectibles, experiences, or even voting rights for future development as a way to engage their client base. The gaming world is getting in on NFTs by offering in-game items that can be bought and sold as NFTs that can potentially be used across different games instead of being limited to just one game. NFTs can even be used for credentialing professional certifications to reduce the burden of proof for credentials utilizing the token and eliminate the siloed nature of credentials that currently exists. So there are a lot of possibilities for NFTs, and it has the potential to be very lucrative. If you had to guess, what do you think the market for NFTs was worth last year?
3: I don't know. I don't even know where to, where to try to guess.
2: Last year, I would say it was basically worth nothing. I know that they blew up in the past year or I'm completely wrong <laughs> in my timeline.
1: <laughs> last year, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars. Probably billions. two thousand. It's
2: a lot more than that. Mm 20,000. 100,000. It's billions. 17 billion. (laughs) 0.84.
4: Oh, good gosh. Uh, Last year, a little bit of a market crash, I mean billions, if not pushing trillions. As a guess, I'm just going to say half a trillion dollars.
0: Maybe before I told you that Beeple sold a JPEG for almost $70 million, you might have guessed a pretty low number for the market value of NFTs. But that one sale alone may have you thinking it's more. And it is. Quite a bit more. According to Forbes, the market for NFTs in 2021 alone was $41 billion, with a B, dollars. Business Insider has reported by comparison that the conventional art market was $50 billion in 2020. While it isn't clear exactly how long this boom will last, especially given the current slump of the market in general, it is evident that artists, collectors, businesses, and average consumers see this as a space where there is money to be made. That money, however, could come at an environmental cost. What environmental impacts do you think NFTs may have? I,
2: again, I could be completely wrong on this, but... I think that there is an impact on the environment for NFTs and that they're not good, but I don't know.
5: Well, if people are mining them with the graphics cards, I don't know if that's even the same thing, but I'm conflating the two, <laughs> <laughs> cryptocurrency and NFTs. Um, I don't. Maybe it'd be positive since it's all digital.
1: Well, if they're associated with Bitcoin... I know that Bitcoin is terrible on the environment for the no, the amount of energy that's required to run these processing units unless somehow they're hooked up to a solar farm. But I I get the impression that it's terrible for the environment.
3: Other than maybe server farms to house the data mine the cryptocurrency for it. I don't know.
4: Uh, it depends. So the entire point of Ethereum 2.0, as an example, is the fact that we're getting rid of the proof of work. Uh, Bitcoin, as an example, through China, through anywhere, when they're mining it, it is a a negative factor to the environment because we are utilizing a ton of energy to create them. Um, But the point of Ethereum 2.0 is that it would be, uh, it's not proof of work, it's whatever the other term is, but essentially we're not utilizing energy to create it. Um, Overall, if crypto went the pathway of the vision, we would eliminate banks. Uh, If you think about every bank that runs, every call center that runs for it and everything that goes into paying for that, um, if you had a decentralized crypto world, it would be better for the environment. But that's also something that I don't foresee happening ever or happening for a very long time.
0: While at first glance, digital artwork seems like it would be better for the environment, less destruction of trees, fewer potential toxins from paints, no emissions from transporting the work, you have to remember that the very foundation of NFTs is built on blockchains, which is the same technology that cryptocurrencies utilize. And those technologies have been criticized for using a lot of electricity and generating a bunch of greenhouse gas emissions. This is because cryptocurrencies are built on a system of Proof of work, which acts as a type of security system for cryptocurrencies since there isn't a third party, like a bank, that oversees the transactions. According to journalist Justine Kalma, in order to keep the financial records secure, the system forces people to solve complex puzzles using energy guzzling machines. Solving the puzzles lets the users, or miners, add a block of verified transactions to a decentralized ledger, the blockchain. The miner then gets new tokens, or transaction fees, as a reward. The process is energy inefficient by design. The thought is that using up crazy amounts of electricity, and presumably paying that power bill, makes it less profitable for someone to try and mess up the ledger. The end result? Ethereum uses about as much electricity as the entire country of Libya. This has caused some artists to pull out of NFTs entirely, but others, such as Beeple, Have vowed to make their digital art carbon neutral or negative by offsetting emissions from his NFTs by investing in renewable energy, conservation projects, and technology that pulls carbon dioxide out of the air. And he thinks that other artists will follow suit, even with the potential cost to the artist. Beeple estimates that it cost about $5,000 to offset emissions from just one of his collections. So there you have it, folks. It's confusing, (laughs) potentially damaging the environment and also has the potential for so many applications. While the building blocks for NFTs have been around for a few decades, the future is still to be seen. And now when someone starts going on about an ape on a boat or kittens in hats, you'll know what they're talking about. Thank you so much for joining me today as we went down a totally foreign to me rabbit hole. I hope that you learned something. And if you decide to make an NFT after listening to this episode, I'd love to hear about it. Be sure to connect with me on the social media platforms or by emailing me at welcome to wonderland, the podcast at gmail.com. And until next time be safe, be kind and stay curious. The Welcome to Wonderland podcast is copyrighted by Amy Bland and is a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media. This podcast is recorded in the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. Any thoughts or opinions expressed as part of this production are those of the host unless otherwise indicated. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Find us on Facebook at Welcome to Wonderland, the podcast, and on Twitter at Wonderland underscore pod. To submit corrections, additional information, or requests for episodes, please email the host at Welcome to Wonderland the Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Welcome to Wonderland is part of the GOT Podcast Network and a product of Barrett Gruber Entertainment and Media.